Good morning, Central Baptist Church. It's good to see you today. Aren't you enjoying this cool fall weather? Yes. Remember when it was like 100 plus? 
Yes, we remember that. So we're enjoying this weather. Hey, it's good to see you. Welcome to worship this Sunday on this Sunday morning. We're glad that you're here. I missed you last Sunday. We were, our family worshiped at a great church down in New Caney. It's Emmanuel Baptist Church. It's a newer church plant that's been meeting at New Caney High School the last two or three years. And we have some friends down there and we were down there as a family. But this past week, uh, Christine and I celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary. So we were, took a few days off for that. And um, it was good to, uh, to just get away, and we had some other family stuff we needed to get done as well. But um, it's good to be back with you. I enjoyed the, uh, the break. It was a good, refreshing time to be away, but I missed you. And uh, I know you were in good hands with Kurt last weekend as he brought God's Word. Um, and, uh, but it's good to be back with you this morning. If you're new with us, we want to welcome you uh, to Central Baptist Church. And right there near you, uh, in the seat back in front of you, there is uh, a little guest information card. That's not just for you to fill out. It's also for all of us to fill out. If you want to make a decision, if you want a prayer request, and you want to jot that down, do that in the service today. If you are a guest with us, we want to encourage you to, to fill that out in the service. And just drop that in one of the boxes as you leave today right by the doorways, or you can just walk up and hand it to me. And uh, because they come back to, uh, to, to me in the office anyway. Um, but listen, I just want to um, thank you for joining us this morning. Um, and uh, we're going to have a great time together, singing, worshiping, praying. Um, we've got as a word for us today as a church. Um, we've got a lot of people out. It's fall break. But um, just really uh, believe God wants to do work in us even on this Sunday morning. So listen, we're going to pray, and then we're going to... Uh, just gather our hearts together and sing some more and worship some more. So why don't you bow with me and let's pray. Lord, we do love you. We're here, Lord, because um, you have impacted our lives in such profound ways. Every one of us have been impacted by you. Um, we thank you for those of us in this room who are believers in you, that you have saved us. You've radically changed our lives. Maybe it was years ago. Maybe it was just this past week but we're here today to worship you. We're not here today to elevate ourselves, point anyone to us, but to point ourselves to you, our minds and our hearts. So Lord, as we sing, we wanna to sing to you. One voice collectively as we pray, as we talk to you, as we listen to you, as we respond to you in this service. God, we want this service to be pleasing to you, honorable to you. And so God, would you put your hand of favor on central our people, our congregation this morning. Would you anoint us as we worship you this morning? We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Stand with me and let's sing. Praise the Lord, his mercy is
You can be seated after singing as we pray this morning. We're praying to the one who delivers, the one who heals, the one who breaks the bonds in our lives. He's the one who's given us reason to be here today. We don't exist today apart from him. Um, You have no life, you have no hope, you have no peace, you have no joy apart from what the Lord has done in your life, what he's done in our lives. He's the one who holds it together, life, the world. Look around the world today. We're going to pray this morning, of course, for Israel, and we're going to pray for believers who are there in Palestine, which, believe it or not, there are Christians who are in Palestine in harm's way. Many of our brothers and sisters living in Palestine today. We're going to pray for all those in harm's way, but the thing I think that encourages me this morning, whether it's Livingston, Texas, Polk County, or it's the Middle East, the Lord holds it all together. He does. He's in control of it all. And so we want to pray for, um, or we rather want to thank him for that. We want to praise him for that. We want to worship him for that. But we also want to pray for God to move, even in the Middle East as we speak and as we worship even this morning. You put a prayer guide in your bulletin, your information guide there this morning. You should have it. Um, It's got some prayer points for you to be able to pray for Israel. Um, And I would add pray for believers who are in Palestine today, in the Palestinian area in Gaza. Um, who are in harm's way and who live there. Um, Brothers and sisters in Christ, they'll be in heaven with us, and we want to pray for them fervently, not just today, but every day this coming week. And uh, in your own relationship with the Lord, take some time each day to pray for Israel and pray for um, believers all over that region that are in harm's way. So let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to move in that. God, we do thank you this morning as we pray that you are a God who is in control. You're a God who has authority, sovereign. Your sovereign hand is over all things. It's over our lives. It's over our hearts. God, we know that even in our personal lives, you already understand and know, Lord, what's coming in our future this coming week. You know the challenges, maybe that difficult word we're going to hear this week or that positive thing that's going to come our way this week. You already know it. You already see it. You're over our lives. You're over our community. Lord, you have authority in your sovereign hand over our county, over our state, over our nation. It's just just unified as it is and complicated things are in Washington and our government. And we see such chaos everywhere at all times. But God, you're a God who is in control and we thank you for that. We also thank you, Lord, that your presence and your power, Lord, do not, um, are not bound by geopolitical lines or militaries or armies or anything of that nature. Lord, you're everywhere at all times. And so God, just as you are present and real in this room, you are present and real in Israel, in Gaza, in all of these nations, among these people, Lord, that we see on, we read about on the news and in the news and watch on TV and we see We thank you, Lord, that you love your people. We thank you that you love us. That even though we mess up our lives and the mistakes that we make regularly, you are a God who never, ever turns his face away from us. But you always look towards your people. You always provide for your people. You always, Lord, guide your people. When we seek you, when we desire what your will is, you always show us and you lead us down the pathway of of your will. 
God, we see destruction and we just see all of these things in the world today. We know they're not of you. We know and understand wars and pain and suffering and the struggles that, Lord, people face, whether it's those in our own community or around the world, Lord. That wasn't what your intended will was. For before sin, before Genesis 3, there was nothing but perfection. There was this incredible union between ourselves and you. You created us for yourself. You created us to know you, to have a a relationship with you. Adam walked with you in the cool of the mornings. Can't even imagine that now, Lord. Having been separated because of sin, having been brought near to you because of and through Jesus Christ, we have hope. But Lord, and we see in the world today our our world in chaos, we see confusion, we see such brokenness, we see such suffering, we see such pain laid alongside the joy and the, the excitement and the victories and the beauty of this world and all that beauty of creation, Lord. We see all of that laid alongside each other and it's hard for us to understand or imagine, but we understand you're in control. You have authority over it all. We thank you this morning, God, that you're a God who is the Lord of armies. You are the Lord who is over all things. He gives us peace. He gives us rest this morning to know you are here with us. The very God who created the heavens and the earth, the very God who values every life is the one who values us, our church, our church family, our community congregation. We thank you this morning that you are here with us. We, of course, pray for Israel. We pray for peace in Israel. We pray for protection over the Israeli people. We also pray for justice for the Israeli people. We pray that you would come alongside those who are grieving, who have lost family members, both Americans and Israelis and others experienced, Lord, such incredible suffering. We also pray for our brothers and sisters in Gaza and these places that are in harm's way, surrounded by people who hate you and hate the, the word of God, your word, but they love you. And they're crying out to you, Lord. They're crying out for mercy. They're crying out to you for help. because they know they're in harm's way. And they look in every direction and they don't see any help. So we pray that you would come alongside them, that you would be near to them, that you would remind them of the truth of your word. You would remind them of who you are. That you would remind them how much you love them, how much you care for them. God, we pray for this conflict. We pray for the return of hostages and the return of people, Lord, that are suffering right now. And we pray, God, that you're ultimately, Lord, you would bring peace to that region. That, God, it would not escalate even further than what it is beyond what needs to happen. We just pray for your hand to be upon all decision makers, both in our country and Israel and And among those who do not follow you or love you, 
We just pray for your hand to be upon those decisions and that you would guide and direct just as you did in the Old Testament, we see in the New Testament, just as you do today, even in our government and even in our nation today, that God, you would guide and direct all parties towards your will. And so we lay this conflict before you this morning. We can do much through our prayer lives. So would you find us being faithful to pray faithful to pray for the people in that entire region. We love you, Lord. We pray for your hand to be upon us now as we look and turn to your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, it's good to be back with you. As you can see above my heads, we're not in Philippians today. And um, there's a reason for that. At every intention of moving, continuing to, to move through Philippians chapter 1, and Lord willing, we would be back in that book next weekend. As you know, we're walking through the book of Philippians on the Sunday mornings here at Central. Um, and Lord willing, we'll be back in that book next weekend. Um, but really, since the Lord leading me to uh, a picture in Ezekiel chapter 47, so I'll give you some time to look there and to find that. It's okay to look in your table of contents. It's okay. Keep looking. It's in the Old Testament. That's a hint. It's not in the New Testament. But we're going to be in Ezekiel 47 this morning. We're going to look at the first 12 verses. This morning we're going to be talking and looking at something that I think the Lord has impressed upon me to even bring to our church and talk to our church about. I think he has a word for, for you as an individual, maybe as a couple, as a family. I think he has a word for us as a church. You know, the Lord wants to manifest his power and his presence. And what I mean by that is when we pray for that and when we talk about that, we pray for, Lord Jesus, you would manifest your presence and your power among us as a church. That doesn't mean that he's going to show up and do, you know, sparkly things and crazy things among us. That's not what he means by that. Well, we, when we pray that, and when we talk about that as a church, what we mean by that is this, the very thing that God shows us and points us to. You know, where the Spirit of God is working, where God is working, where he manifests his power and his presence, there's confession of sin. There are relationships that are being restored. There is... Uh, repentance that's taking place, confession of sin, repentance of sin. There is absolute spiritual brokenness on the lives of people. There are strongholds in our lives that are broken, things that we sometimes just wrestle with daily and daily and daily. Those things are broken. There are marriages that are restored. Um, there are people that are saved and followers or people who are following a, another path become followers of Jesus Christ. By the way, there are sometimes church members that get saved. Hello. Uh, there are people that have been baptized years and years ago who recognize and maybe they realize that, you know what, I never was truly baptized because I got saved later in life or uh, because salvation or baptism comes after my salvation or we come to a place in our life where we recognize that I never truly was born again. I, I remember at the last church I served at, I had a 70 plus year old man come up to me after the service. By the way, he was a charter member of our church. And he comes up to me after service on a Sunday morning one morning, and he said, Pastor Sonny, I just, I just don't think I was, you know, my grandmother drugged me down the aisle when I was about eight years old, and she wanted me to be saved and baptized, and I was baptized that day, and I, I'm a charter member of this church, but I don't think I was ever saved then. I got saved later in life, and I'm a born-again believer now, and I want you to baptize me. Praise God we baptized him. In his late 70s, God did a work in his life. I did his funeral just a few years later. We celebrated that. 
you know, I think God wants to do a work in us. When he manifests his presence and his power among us, I think he wants to do a work in us and among us. It's not church as usual, because oftentimes we come to church and we kind of check in, check out. We go to our class, we go to our service, we have our cup of coffee, we see our friends, and we get in our cars and we go home and we go about our lives. But I just got news for us. What God wants to do in us and among us is something supernatural, weekly, corporately when we come together, but regularly, individually, he wants to work in your life because he sees your life. He knows your life. Whether you're children, teenagers, adults, senior adults, empty nesters, single adults in the sense that you've never been married or you're now a widow or a widower, God wants to work in your life. He wants to work in my life. I believe he wants to work in our, all of our lives. So I think the Lord is speaking. I think he wants us to listen, and I think he wants us to act as a church, as a congregation. And so before we even jump back into Philippians, we're going to look at Ezekiel 47 for a moment. I think when we think about the scriptures, we read a lot in the Bible. And you correct me if I'm wrong, but here's the thing. We read in the Bible a lot of things that we wish would happen. Don't you read in the Bible a lot of things that, man, he moved in that way? Man, he saved 3,000 on that particular day? You know, back in Acts chapter 2, wow, he did that? Oh, wow, he did this? Oh, wow, he did that? We read a lot of things in the Bible that we wish would happen in our lives. I think if we're honest with ourselves, we, we come to that realization. Maybe we come to that conclusion in our own personal lives. I mean, when you think about the Word of God, when we think about these things, don't you want the Spirit to flow in your life? Don't you want to produce beautiful and plentiful spiritual fruit in your life? Yeah, we want that, don't we? I mean, when we read Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, look at these two verses. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness gentleness and self-control against such things there is no law. When we read that, don't you want to see the Spirit of God produce spiritual fruit in you like that? Don't you want to be a more joyful person? Don't you want to be a more loving person? Don't you want to exercise self-control in your life? Don't you want to see those things happen? And sometimes they don't happen, and what we wish they would happen, we want them to happen. I want to change. I want to be the kind of man or woman or young person that God wants for my life. I want him to do that. Don't you want to see Livingston bear that kind of fruit? Don't you want to see Polk County bear that kind of fruit? Are you tired of seeing the stuff that you have to deal with, students? Are you tired of seeing that at schools, public schools that you go to, the words that you hear, the things that you see in the lives of students, the, 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 the cycle of, of repetitive living and, and bad decisions and poor decisions and broken home after broken home after broken home after broken home that just manifests itself in all kinds of, of broken ways? Don't we, don't we want to see our community change? Don't we want to see that transform the world? Don't we, don't we want to see that in Washington, D.C., of course, right? <laughs> Amen. No, don't we want to see around the world the Spirit of God do something great and mighty amount around the world among the nations? We want to see that. We want to see God move powerfully among the nations. There is a picture in John chapter 7. It's a beautiful picture, but it's an incredible picture it happens, and you can turn there if you want. That's okay. You can hold your place in 47 and turn over to John 7 real quick. There's a, 
picture of the Feast of Tabernacles. That's what was going on in that day and age. There's Jesus, and then there is the Jewish festival or the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths. It was the 10th feast of the Jewish year. It was a season or a time of joy and time of excitement, a time of exhilaration among the Jews that were there that particular day around Galilee. And the On the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Booths, the priest would go down to the Pool of Siloam, and he would take a a golden kind of cup, if you will, or flask, and he would pick up water out of the Pool of Siloam. He would go back to the temple. He would go to, um, to to the altar, and he would pour the water onto the altar. The people would begin shouting. They would praise God. Trumpets would sound. It was the Feast of Booths. It was the Feast of of Tabernacles. It was a feast. It was a celebration of everything. And in the midst of that, in John chapter 7, Jesus stands up. As that scene is unfolding toward the end of that scene, when the water is being poured on the altar and people are celebrating and so forth, Jesus then, in that story, which is an incredible story, as the water is being poured out, by the way, that is a symbol Everything points to Jesus Christ, right? Everything points to the Lord Jesus Christ in every way. But in the middle of this, Jesus stands up. All of the feasts, the symbols, everything's pointing to Jesus anyway. And yet at the same time, they do not understand that he is the living water. At the same time, in John chapter 7, they don't recognize and realize that all of these things that are symbols are pointing to him. The very one who fulfills all of this is standing in their midst. And there is Jesus standing there, and he is the water of life, but they don't recognize him, they don't see him, and and yet he is standing right there. And as the water is being poured out, Jesus invites all those who are thirsty to come to him and drink. In fact, in John chapter 7, I've put it right here for us, 37, 38, and 39, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and he cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow, what? Rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. We know that's going to come in Acts chapter 2, when when there in Jerusalem things change, radically change, which leads us to where we are today. Here's what I want to just remind us of this morning. Jesus knew them. He knew the people that were there that day. He knew their hearts. He knew who they were. He knew they had incredible religious fervor about their lives. But he also knew that even though they went through these these rituals, even though they went through this season and time of celebration, they would ultimately go back to their old ways of life. He knew that what they needed was not to fill up a cup of water and pour it on an altar. What they needed was to be filled up with him, with the presence of the Holy Spirit in their lives. He knew that what they needed was they needed to be filled with living water. Living water. Not just water, but living water. What I want to say to us this morning as we move into Ezekiel 47 is this. We are to be a that river of living water. Let me explain to us here for the moment. We are to be a place, we are to be a church, we are to be individuals where the power of the Spirit of God is in us, is working in us, is moving in us, and is impacting the world around us. Which just leads us to Ezekiel 47. You can turn back there with me this morning. This story, this scene, is something that applies to us personally. It illustrates here the Old Testament temple of God. Kind of back out of the story, and then we're going to kind of zoom in and talk about what's happening here. What God uses here is he uses 
supernatural symbolism to describe for us something that's happening here in the temple. Listen, as Christians, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then you are the temple of God. If a follower of Jesus Christ, you are the one where the Spirit of God dwells and works in in every way. In the Old Testament, let me explain it to us this way. In the Old Testament, God built a temple for his people. He tabernacled among his people. He wanted to be present among his people, but they could only go so far. In the New Testament, he creates a people for his temple. You understand what I mean by that? He creates a people where he dwells, where the Spirit of God then begins to dwell among his people. In fact, the Apostle Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your bodies. There is a river of life that is flowing in us and what God wants to flow through us. Now let me explain Ezekiel before we move into this passage. I'm going to walk through it very quickly for us this morning because it's important for us to understand it and to see it. Ezekiel himself was a priest. Ezekiel was a priest who was in exile. Remember he was part of the northern southern kingdom when, when they had the, in the promised land, the places we read about on TV now and we see on TV, if you're watching Israel today, it's the promised land. But he was exiled when Babylon came in. At this point in time, King Nebuchadnezzar among the Babylonians, God had sent the Babylonians into Jerusalem, had destroyed the temple that had been built had, had ransacked the gold, the silver, the, the precious jewels, all of it had been taken away, had been melted down, had been used in other places. All of that work that we read about in the Old Testament, gone. God's taken his people back into exile because they had sinned against him. He gave them the land. He brings down the walls of Jericho. He brings all these cities to their knees. He brings them into the promised land. They didn't finish the job. And then they start to turn away from God when they get into the land. So God takes them and puts them back into exile. So Ezekiel is a priest during this time in the midst of exile, 25 years into exile. You with me? When Ezekiel is taken into Babylon, he settles along the Kebar River. And 25 years in, God gives him this message of judgment. He gives him this message of restoration for the people. It's a message of judgment, but it's a message of restoration. In chapter 40 of Ezekiel, he all of a sudden takes Ezekiel and he gives him a vision of a new temple, a picture that he sees. We're not going to get into the, all of the interpretations of that there because there are many interpretations of that. That's not the point of today's sermon, the message today, what God wants to say to us. But in beginning in chapter 40, there is a man who shows up and begins to take Ezekiel and takes him to the top of a mountain and shows him this new temple. It's an angel, clearly. God sends an angel to do this. And so as Ezekiel is seeing these different parts of this particular temple, he sits him on top of this mountain, he shows him this, he begins to see a small stream that's flowing out of the temple that changes and turns into a raging river. And I want you to notice a few things about this, because this is the picture of Ezekiel chapter 47. First of all, I want you to notice that it has a mysterious source. Look at verse 1 and 2. 
Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and behold, water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was flowing down from below the south end of the the threshold of the temple, south of the altar. And then he brought me out by way of the north gate, and he led me around on the outside of the outer gate that faces toward the east, and behold, the water was trickling out on the south side. It's not, he doesn't take him outside of the temple, and the picture that we have here in these first two verses is, is, is Ezekiel is, is at the threshold, if you will, of the holy of holies. He's inside the temple, he's in the inner court, if you understand the temple, and he sees this stream that is trickling out below where the holy of holies is. It's flowing from a source, and it's flowing in a particular direction. But what I want you to notice is that it's low. That's the point of it. It's just a trickle. It's just a little bit. It's, it's, it's a low-flowing stream, and it's flowing from the altar. By the way, it's the place where the sacrifices were made. The blood was sprinkled. It's also the place in which we understand now on this side of Jesus Christ that Jesus is the Lamb of God. And when he went to the cross, he is the one who was sacrificed for our sins, right? So everything we see, all of this imagery, all of these symbolism is pointing us to Jesus Christ himself. What Ezekiel sees is he sees and he understands what you and I know. And that is that God is this mysterious source of life. God is this mysterious source that we understand where life comes from. In fact, this is what it says in Psalm 46, verse 4. It says this, or 64, 46, verse 4. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. We understand that this source is coming from God himself, the life that is flowing out. Let me just say this very quickly about revival. We pray for revival in the world today. We pray for revival in our nation today. Revival begins in the hearts of God's people. Revival begins in the hearts of God's churches. Revival begins in the hearts of where the people of God who have the spirit of God living in them, that's where revival begins. It doesn't begin out there in a community. It doesn't begin at your school. It doesn't begin in a a business. It doesn't begin in in Washington, D.C. Revival doesn't start there. It starts among God's people. When God's people are awakened, when God's people are awakened to who God is, and we begin to humble ourselves before him, and that's the thing about revival. It never begins without God's people humbling themselves. We sometimes come casually to God. We come unbroken towards God, and we sing songs to God, and we pray Him, praise to, pray to Him, and we give to Him, and we do all of these things. But what God wants out of our lives is He wants us to understand the source of where life comes from and to humbly bow ourselves towards Him. So that's the first thing I want you to notice about this river. It is a, a very mysterious source. It's from God Himself. But Ezekiel then goes on and he sees something else about this river. It has this measured depth to it. It's growing deeper. Look at verse 3 with me. Going on eastward with a measuring line in his hand, the man measured a thousand cubits and then he led, it led me through the water and it was ankle deep. Again, he measured a, a thousand and led me through the water and it was, it was knee deep. Again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water and it was waist deep. Again, he measured a thousand, and it was a river that I could not pass through, for the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in, a river that could not pass, be passed through. This trickling stream now becomes a mighty river, a raging river. When you think of a cubit there in those verses, a cubit is 18 inches. So when he talks about a thousand cubits, think five football fields long. 
This stream that is trickling out from the Holy of Holies is now five football fields wide in the sense that it is raging, it is flowing, and it is, it is getting wider and it is getting deeper. It grows deeper. It's ankle deep in verse 3. Did you see that? It's knee deep in verse 4. Then in, in verse 4 again, it's waist deep. What had started as a very trickling stream is now a raging river that could not be passed through, but it can be swam, swam in. Whatever that word is. You get my point. All of it symbolizes this genuine, listen to me, all of it is symbolizing the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit that is at work among God's people, that controls the believer wherever the, the water of revival flows. It gets deeper and wider. Wherever the Spirit of God is working, the Spirit of God is in control of a man's life or a woman's life or a teenager's life or a church's life. There is revival. There is spiritual awakening. There is spiritual renewal. The thing about a river is this. You can't stop a river like that, can you? I mean, whenever there's a river that is raging, whenever there's a river that is wide and it is deep and it is raging, you cannot stop it. You know the only thing that can stop it? The source. When you think about the spiritual awakening of our, of our, of our lives and of our congregation as our church, Think about it this way, the only thing that can stop revival in your heart, the only thing that can stop revival at Central Baptist Church is you, is me. When we don't follow God, when we don't pursue the Lord, when we don't run after him, when we don't bow down to him, when we don't choose to try to live our lives the way he wants us to live, when we don't passionately pursue him in the way that he wants, oh, we can stunt what God wants to do in us and how he wants to work through us. So there is Ezekiel. He sees this river with a mysterious source. He sees it with this growing depth. But then finally, watch what happens with this river and what takes place. He sees this river that has a life-giving power. It has this incredible power to it that he notices, that he witnesses. Look at verse 6. And he said to me, son of man, have you seen this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. Now he's not in the river because he would be swept away. Now he's on the bank of the river and he's watching this river. Remember, it started in the temple. It continued out of the temple. It grew in depth and now he's on the banks of the river. Look at verse 7. As I went back, I saw in the bank of the river very many trees on the one side and on the other. And he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and, and goes down into the Arabah. It enters the sea where the Water flows into the sea. The water will become fresh. And wherever the river goes, everything living, every living creature that swarms will live. And there will be very many fish, for this water goes there, that the waters of the sea may become fresh, so everything will live where the river goes. Fishermen will stand beside the sea from Engedi and and in Glaim, it will be a place for the spreading of nets. Its fish will be of very many kinds, like the fish of the, great, uh, fish of the great sea. But its swamps and its marshes will not become fresh. There they are to be left for salt. And watch verse 12. And on the banks, on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruit every month because the, the water for them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be uh, for food and their leaves for healing. 
Ezekiel standing on the bank sees this raging or this small stream turn into a raging river and the focus of the verses shifts from the river to the effect or the impact of the river on those around it, on what's happening around it. Do you notice that? To his entire, entire uh, perception, his entire uh, uh, vision now s- turns to what the impact of the river is doing. It's not the water itself, but it's the impact, it's the effect of that water on the surrounding land. He saw the life-giving power of the trees that grow. He, he, he looked and he saw the, the life-giving power, the fruit that was produced. Where did it flow? Water flowed into some very dry places. The, the river flowed into some very depressed places. The river flowed into some very dead places. And what did it do in every respect? It brought life, didn't it? It brought life where the river flowed. The impact we see there again in verse 12. Food, the leaves, he describes fruit. He he describes in every way life that is healing, that is bringing about healing. Church, we live in a time that is spiritually dry. We, We live in some respects and in many respects in a community that is spiritually thirsty. We, we live in a, in a season right now where people are dead, spiritually dead. We live in a world today when you turn on the news, you, it's led people, and we turn on our own culture and our own country. We see people who are sick. We see kids that are adrift. You've got kids in, in your lives that are adrift spiritually that aren't walking with Jesus. We live in a very confusing time. We live in a very unsatisfied time. We live in a very fearful time in this time in the world. We need a river of revival that flows in us and through us into the lives of the people that are far from God, people that are hurting. They don't have the answers to life. You do. They don't have the answer to why they are the way they are, why the world is the way it is, and the hope and the joy and the peace that can come through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You do, and I do. God has given us this ability to see and understand from his word, but not just from his word, but from the life-giving spirit that lives inside of us. This understanding that God now dwells in us And all this, I think, is leading us to understand what God wants us to see here this morning. And it's this, that where the Spirit of God is present, there is genuine revival. Where the Spirit of God is at work, where the Spirit of God is listened to, where the Spirit of God is is sought after and and prayed and, 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 and allowed to work and has the freedom to work in our lives and in our church, there is spiritual vitality. There is spiritual life. There is a, a growing and a thriving life. There is a growing and a thriving ministry. There is a growing and a thriving class. There is a growing and a thriving uh, church that has an incredible impact on a particular family, individual, community, school, you name it. Where the Spirit of God moves in, He doesn't move out. There's an abundance of blessing and there is abundance of refreshment. There is a vitality that exists. There is life that exists. When the Spirit of God moves in, He wants to, however, possess everything. You understand what I mean? 
The Holy Spirit, when he moves into your life, when God moves into your life, he does not want 80% of your heart. He doesn't want 99% of your heart. He wants 100% of your life. When the Holy Spirit moves in, he wants to possess your thoughts, your decisions, your actions, your words, your language, your decision-making in every respect of your life. God wants everything. And he deserves it, right? Because he created us. He gave us life, physical life, but then he gives us spiritual life. And this is what Jesus was teaching his disciples. He taught them that Jesus wasn't something to be added to their lives. He was to be their life, that they were to pursue for the rest of their life. And I think about our church, and I think about our congregation. There is no temple, specific temple that exists today, but there is a church that exists. And it's made up of people who follow Jesus Christ. And I want to say to us this morning that the Spirit of God still flows like a mighty river. He still flows in our hearts, and he wants to flow in our heart like a mighty river. He brings life to those who work for Jesus on the cross. Because of the work of Jesus on the cross, he brings life. He brings food into our life showing, by showing us how to live and to serve the Lord. He brings food into our lives. He brings healing into our bodies not only for our body, but for our soul and every person who needs Jesus. He brings healing, spiritual healing upon our lives. He brings physical healing upon our lives. He still breaks down the strongholds in your life. He still moves in the lives of others. He still does this work, but he wants to be passionately pursued. Let me show you why and how he wants to be passionately pursued. There is a verse in Jeremiah 29 that God reminded his people when they were in exile. Oh, this is what he says to them. Jeremiah 29, verse 13, it says this. You will seek me and you will find me. How and when? When you what? When you seek me with all your heart. You see, he wants to be passionately pursued. He wants to be sought after. He wants to be listened to. He wants to be worshiped. He wants to be prayed to. He wants to be listened to. He wants to be obeyed in our lives. And we need the Lord to manifest himself in our lives and in our church and in our community. Don't you want to see those things happen? I do. I mean, we ought to pray that we would be a place where the fruit of the Spirit is overflowing in our lives and as a church. When someone walks into our congregation, when someone interacts with you on the streets or at school or at work or in our community, they look at you and say, something is different in your life. There is someone who, something different, what is that? And you can bear testimony to what all you have seen and heard in Jesus. You want the Spirit's fruit, bearing fruit in your life that others would see and it would overflow out of your life. We ought to be praying as a people that we would share the gospel, praying for the people who we share the gospel with, that their eyes would be open, that they would experience joy, that they would experience that love and that peace, that they would experience all of that through the Spirit who makes them born again. We ought to be praying for the needs of our congregation to be answered. The things we've been praying for and laying before God, we ought to be praying for those things. We ought to be praying Ezekiel 47, 12 into our lives, into your life. You ought to be praying for that on your, on your marriage. You should be praying for that on your, on your friendships and on, on, on our entire church. 
We should be praying for that for the lost, that there would be life and vitality, that the Lord, you would do this work. He does this work in us. Remember, we are the temple of the Spirit of God. He lives in us. He works in us. And when he has all of us, he then uses us to then be that river of living water in the lives of others. We then take the hope of Jesus to other people. We then pray towards those people being saved, and not just for the lost, but for the nations, places we will never go, people we will never see, cultures we will never experience, because we believe in the power of prayer. You believe that when you talk to God, God moves. When you listen to God, he has your undivided attention, then he begins to speak into your life. He begins to speak into our church. He begins to lead us. And when he leads us, and when he tells us what to pray and the Spirit of God moves in, he does not move out. He guides and directs our steps. He breaks strongholds in our life. He breaks down things that are wrong with us, things that are barriers, but he moves in our life nonetheless. And what God does is he moves into our life. He breaks these, these strongholds down, and then he begins to lead us to pray for the things that matter, pray for the people that need to be heard, that need to hear the gospel among the nations and in our own community. And so when I think about this passage, Ezekiel sees something that is powerful. He sees something that is supernatural. But what he sees is this work of God moving and flowing and growing and bringing life and vitality. Listen, church, above all, I believe the Lord wants to lead us to be a spirit-led and praying church. Because where the Spirit of God lives there is genuine revival. There is genuine revival. And so we're going to do something a little different here at the end of our service this morning. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. We're going to have a time of response. And we're going to pray. We're going to stand and sing, but I want us to also pray. And here's the thing. At the end of every service, we give you an opportunity to give your life to Jesus Christ. And so if you're here today and you want to give your life to Jesus, then you come forward. I'm not going to be the only one that's going to be standing up here today. There's going to be several from our congregation that are going to be across the front, and they're going to scatter across the front if you're up in the balcony, if you're down below. If you want to give your life to Jesus, you come forward and you tell one of them, or you tell me that you want to give your life to Jesus Christ. Maybe God is speaking to you about a particular stronghold in your life you need prayer over. Like, you've been praying, but you can't do it on your own. I hope you understand that, right? You can't break those bonds on your own. You can't grind it out on your own. You can't not tell somebody and try to fix yourself. That's a lie out of the pit of hell. But you need the Lord Jesus to fix and to rearrange your life. You need the Spirit of God to change you. And you've got to want it. But if you want it, then God will change your heart. I promise you. He's done that for me. He's done that for countless people not only in this room, but the millions across this world. God wants to do a work in your hearts. So if you're here this morning and you have a stronghold in your life, some issue that you've been struggling with personally, privately, maybe it's publicly, then you come forward because we believe here at Central in the power of prayer. Have someone across this front pray for you over that matter. So I'm not sharing it in front of the church. You don't have to. But we're just going to open up a time for us to pray this morning. Um, if you need prayer over any particular matter, maybe it's prayer over someone who was lost you've been praying for for some time. Maybe it's prayer over someone 
that, that needs to come to Christ and you've been praying for that person outside of your family. Maybe in the room you have been at odds with someone, another believer, a brother or sister in Christ. Maybe what God is saying to you today is you need to go across the room, up in the balcony down below, and go up to that person, confess your animosity and anger and frustration towards them and confess that and get that right. Let's allow the Lord Jesus Christ to manifest himself here today. Can we do that? If you want to join our church, if there is any decision that you want to make, baptism, whatever the decision is, I want to just call us to come forward, okay? Let me pray for us, and then I want to ask those who are going to be coming this morning just to stand right across the front from left to right, your right to your left, and uh, then we're going we're gonna to sing. We're going to all stand and sing, and then at the conclusion of our time together, um, then we'll, uh, we'll close things out. The stairs are always open. If you don't want to pray with someone, you can come and kneel here at the front and pray over any particular matter, okay? But let me pray for us and lead us, and then we'll stand and sing. God, you are here. I believe that. I sense that. I sense that you're working in our congregation this morning. I also sense that, Lord, you're speaking to people's lives about specific issues, they need to get right. And I just want to pray this morning that you would move, that you would give each of us courage to say yes to you, courage to respond to you, that we would be obedient. We pray for revival in our hearts. Before it begins in our church, it begins in us. So bring revival in me. Bring about revival in each of us. Save those who are in this room that are lost. Open their hearts that they would say yes to you. Be with those who are struggling with sin, that they would confess and repent of it today and be done with it because your Holy Spirit can move and will move. Break down the strongholds. Heal us that our ears would be open, that our eyes would be open in a fresh and new way, and that you would speak and that you would lead, that you would answer our prayers, and that you would guide us to being a praying church, a place that we cry out to you, not just in songs, but in prayers, where our heart would be in tune with you, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Stand with us. Y'all come forward to pray, make decisions. Let's have courage to respond. When the music fades and all is stripped away and I simply come longing just to bring Something that's worth that will bless your heart. I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper. speaking come forward I'm 
you can be seated this morning. Thank you so much. Those of you who came forward, I know there are others that uh, you may have something you want to talk to one of us about or pray over. 
I want to encourage you to come forward after the service, and we'd be willing to, to, to counsel you, pray over you, pray with you about any particular matter, talk to you about Jesus and about what it means to have a relationship with him. Um, this morning, just a couple quick announcements before we're dismissed today. Um, one, I just want to remind us of our fall festival coming up. It's a great outreach event into our community. We reach a lot of families in our community. And um, thank you so much for those of you who are already signed up to serve. We need more people to sign up and serve. We need things around the, the church, candy, things like that. So stay, uh, stay in tune with your, your Bible study class on Sunday mornings. I know y'all are all participating in different uh, creative ways. But that's coming up on the 29th and a few Sundays from now. Next Sunday, we have our membership class, our membership matters class for those who are prospective members. Some of you already signed up for that. Um, that's going to be right after the service next Sunday at 11 o'clock, right through those double doors across the hallway. And so it's really convenient for you right after church. And um, we talk about all things central. And you get a chance to, uh, to talk to me a little bit further about, um, about the church and about our family and so forth. We're looking forward to getting to know you, okay? There's a ladies event coming up. It's a uh, housewarming gift, if you will, if you will call it that, for the safe house here in town. And uh, ladies, y'all are um, uh, preparing for that. That's next Sunday, of course, in the evening at 6 o'clock. So I want to mention that. Um, so mark that on your calendars. That's less than a week from today or a week from today. And then also next weekend on Saturday, this coming Saturday, we have a men's breakfast across the street at the Family Center. We're going to be talking about our men's ministry. We're going to pray together as, in, as groups and as men. Here a little devotional. Um, have some great food and fellowship. Um, we'll also be talking about our kind of safety team and those of you who are part of that and uh, kind of do some training as well. So it won't last long. It'll just be uh, right there at 8.30 on Saturday morning right here at, uh, at the church, okay? Um, hey, listen, thank you for praying over the course of the last week for our UBA. It's our local association that we're partnered with, a group of churches that we're partnered with, an organization called the Unity Baptist Association. Thank you for praying over the course of this past week. Today, we're going to give a one-time offering to the UBA. And so if you want to give to that, participate in that, um, then I want to encourage you to do that. You can take one of those offering envelopes out. Um, that are in the seat backs in front of you and uh, you can write a check, put some cash in there, whatever you'd like to do, and drop that in the boxes as you leave today. <clears throat> the annual meeting is this evening. I'll be there. I'll be in attendance to that. Um, <clears throat> but um, we want to be a good uh, partner to our uh, many partners around our uh, community, all the way up through Lufkin, all the way down through Livingston Churches. Um, uh, of all shapes and sizes, um, and we're going to come together and we're going to worship the Lord and thank God for what he's doing in our, uh, in our association here locally, okay? As we leave today, we're going to give our tithes and our offerings to the Lord, and uh, I want to encourage you to continue to give faithfully. Thank you for those of you who have been giving in the last two or three weeks. God's been moving and working, and we need more, so continue to give. Um, if you have you've gotten behind on your tithing, get caught up on that over the course of the summer, late summer into the early fall here. We're in the middle of the fall now. Um, but get caught up on your tithing, but also uh, to those who've been giving uh, over and above your tithes to some offerings. Thank you for what you're doing and how you're continuing to give faithfully, okay? You can give as you leave here today in those boxes right by the doorways, or you can give very conveniently online, okay? And so we want to uh, encourage you to do that, and let's be faithful to worship the Lord through our giving. Let's stand and have a quick word of prayer, and we'll be dismissed today. Let's pray to the Lord one more time. Father, thank you so much for the work that you've done, uh, for your word, for the music we've been singing. Thank you for the times of praying that we've had. 
Thank you for the ways in which you've moved among us and continuing to move among us as a church. We want to thank you for all that you've given to us. You've given us everything we have. And God, as we give back to you our tithes and also over and above our tithes or offerings, we pray that you'd multiply them, use them, Lord, in the life of our church, that we would do great ministry here locally, but also do work around the world as we continue to pray and give towards the work that you're doing. So Lord, be with us and bless us the rest of our day. Point us to people who need Jesus Christ. And we pray in his name. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you.